0: You're listening to and Sports Bite, a McPherson Media Group production.
1: It is Sports Bite, brought to you by McPherson Media Group. We're coming to you from the Riverine Herald in Echuca, Moama. My name is Andrew Johnston, joined by Braden May. Braden, what are you showing me on your phone there? Oh, 30 days, 30 deals at Makers. <laughs> what do we got today? $8
2: for 18 chicken McNuggets and two large fries. I'll tell you what, I think I've just decided what we're having for lunch. Yeah,
1: I'm a bit hungry now. <laughs> I'm really hungry. It's, this is a good way to start off Sports Fight. So, you know, if you're listening to us on Friday, that's what you can get at McDonald's. Braden, we shouldn't be talking about McDonald's because we've got something better to talk about. Sports! We're heading into our third weekend of local sport in Echukamaya, And Isn't it great to have some of the sports we love? Cricket, tennis, bowls and the like all back.
2: Oh, it's been fantastic. I think it's just nice. One of the things I've noticed talking to people is people aren't really caring so much that the com- competition's back, it's more so I get to go hang out with my mates at training and a lot of footy clubs and netball clubs are starting pre-season too, which is very exciting. I, we're not just here for winter sports, but obviously it's just exciting to... Sport is rolling through in Victoria again, especially.
1: Five days until we go back to our pre-season training at Gigary. You're going to die. I am going to die. I'm fat and slow. I'm not looking forward to having to do any running. But that brings us on to probably one of the biggest parts of winter sport news that has come out in the recent couple of days is that the GVL, the Murray League, the HD, the KD, the PD, they're all starting to put tentative dates forward for when they're going to get their seasons up and running.
2: Well, the Murray League and the GVL have told us they're targeting that Easter weekend, which is looking around April 2, which is Good Friday, which would be a massive weekend of sport, considering there will be a lot of people up here in a Chugamama. I would imagine would get traditional three jacks, where we might get a premiership flag unfurling too, considering United never got to raise their 2019 flag earlier this year, which they were hoping to do. Yeah, so it's nice to have something to look forward to and just hopefully it can all keep moving forward. Obviously, today, Victoria marked 21 straight days of no cases, which is just remarkable. So hopefully those days do come into play. And then the HD has told us they're looking at multiple options to get up and running, even no crowds, which is interesting.
1: No crowds, you feel like, would be a real struggle for local football. Obviously, clubs have taken a fair kicking this year by not being able to run. So you'd think they'd need crowds to be able to push that revenue back up.
2: Yeah, they wouldn't need crowds, like you just think the bar, the canine, how much money it makes, but it's all going to come back to player loyalty. Players are not going to get some of the money, the figures you hear that they're on anymore. Clubs just won't be able to afford it, and I think the clubs that have got that really strong culture of being able to develop their own junior players, and the junior players just wanting to play with their mates and not chase some cash, which you can understand at a young age for some guys, they probably get paid more than they do doing an apprenticeship, so... It's going to be very interesting in the next couple of years.
1: And we've seen that particularly in the, the four local clubs that we deal with in the RIV through Echuca, Echuca Inoida, Moama and Tongala that they've reported that a lot of those kids that are coming through are staying at their clubs long term. I know Echuca Football Club, for example, has signed their entire under-18s premiership side from 2019 to stay at the club for long term.
2: Oh, it's awesome tool to have and it, when it, you look at the player point system too, when you can get a quality player for one point, you're not going to say no. It makes a massive difference. Like, I think if we look at Kai even who won the GVL Premiership or they've won that many, it's not funny. They're, they're using like 25, 30 points when they're allowed 40, which is just ridiculous. It's probably lower than that. I don't know the exact figure.
1: We will we'll move on to a little bit from the GVL, but there's still a little bit of a tie there. Obviously, during the week, the AFL Commission uh, announced that there were, not the Commission, sorry, the Australian Football League in general announced that there's going to be a couple of rule changes introduced to the senior competition. They also introduced one to the VFL, and that has immediately become a talking point in local football particularly around clubs who have senior guys who are looking at the VFL. We spoke yesterday with Brett Henderson, who's obviously a former coach of a Chuka football club, has coached a lot of football around here, has coached Bendigo Pioneers, and is now an assistant coach at Williamstown. He's really critical of it, Braden.
2: Oh, I don't blame him. It's just a Mickey Mouse competition they've made it, plain and simple. Like Imagine having to – it's hard enough knowing the rules on a weekly basis as it is because they're always changing – and having to go to that level and you're playing different rules at VFL level. But the one that I don't think has come out of it, it's not so much a local sense, is the AFL guys dropping back that are going to have to play under those rules. It's just confusing. I can understand it. They want to clean the game, clean the game up. But I don't think you're going to get as many with these rules of those guys, the bolters that... Were a local footballer. I don't know the guy's name. Geelong drafted someone last year. He wasn't even on anyone's radar playing just Vaffa footy. Played a couple games in the VFL, I think, and then all of a sudden he's on a list. Will you still get that with these rules in place?
1: And Hendo brought the attention to Lockie Schultz as a really good example, who obviously is from Moama originally. Played for Williamstown in the VFL. More moved up off that half-forward flank and came towards the midfield, almost acted as an extra inside mid, used his pressure to force the ball to move around and create opportunities for Williamstown. And Hendo pro- pointed out to us, it's like, who's to say Lockheed Schultz gets a game at an AFL list? Who's to say that some club's going to take a punt on a kid at 21 now if they're not allowed to show their natural game? And that was something that Andrew Walker, the coach co-coach of Echuga, was really critical of, it, that he likes to see people play their natural game, play with their flair. And he pointed out that it makes no sense to then introduce rules into a game that is going to take away that natural component to people's games.
2: Well, exactly right. You look at some of the zones in the TAC Cup, I think a prime example is a Josh Shackey, maybe even Tom Boyd. Like the When they've got these zones, these guys, because they're bigger, they're going to dominate because they've got space to operate in. But I it will be interesting to see if the actual GVL... Bringing these type of rules as well in the local comps because I know down in Melbourne when the, for example, the six 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 come in, a lot of leagues actually introduced that, and you had to practice that in practice matches. That's a lot to ask of two footballers who were just there for a kick of their mate with their mates.
1: I'm happy for them to bring in the three people inside fifty at all times in the KD because, as you know, I don't particularly enjoy running. So if they want to bring in a rule that means I don't have to leave the forward fifty, I'll be pretty ecstatic. <laughs> That personally. Um, And as Walks also pointed out with the local football that you introduced, that one of the things that does work really well at local football level is umpires have an interpretation to a rule at the start of a season, but as the year goes on, they talk to players and they start to figure out, okay, is this interpretation working? Is this interpretation not working? And they find a way that they can all be happy with their helps the game flow.
2: Exactly right. It's hard. It's a hard enough job being an umpire. We all get frustrated with them at some point. It's the hardest job in the world. They've got to watch so much. Speaking to a netball umpire of all things during the week, she was saying, you're not just watching the ball, you're watching off the ball, you're watching behind the ball because there's just anything can happen where there may need to be a free kick or a foul or something paid.
1: Something of a thankless job being an umpire so whilst we do get critical of them at times and we're also very frustrated with them as players we are very appreciative of everything they do we're going to move forward a little bit to our interview this week Braden I was lucky enough to speak to a guy who many people around Echuca, Miami know previously a guy by the name of Rulla Kelly Mansell Rulla is a footballer for the Glenelg Football Club in South Australia he's previously played for Achuky United played for Port Melbourne Played a lot of state league football in Tasmania and this year made his return to the sandfall after being diagnosed with cancer in February. Joining us on the line today, we have former Echuca resident and the newly announced 2020 Tasmanian Aboriginal of the Year, Rella Kelly Mansell. Rella, thanks for joining us, mate.
3: I appreciate it. Thanks for
1: having me on. Mate, um... You've obviously have a fair bit of sporting experience, particularly in the football side. You played a fair bit of football here and have also played some state league football, both in Tasmania and are now playing with Glenelg in South Australia. Mate, tell us all about how you came to love football and your experiences of getting involved in the great game.
3: Uh, football, see, I, 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 yeah, I've loved football since I was about 13, 12, 13. I was a bit of a late late bloomer. I didn't play Auskick. Um, you know, I really started... Getting to club footy at about sort of yeah 13, 12 13 at uh, Deloraine, which is where I'm from in Tasmania, and just started playing you know juniors there and, and coming through. And I really didn't develop until I was probably about 16. I was fortunate enough to make some rep teams sort of you know 13 14 15. So I was a reasonable reasonable runner at that age, so I had some I suppose some some attributes that that could hold me instead. But I I'm i looking back on it like I yeah you know, I was definitely in probably the the bottom five of those rep teams back in, you know, 15. But I had a bit of a breakout year when I was about 16. I got, got cut from the Mariners. I, I did make the final squad. Um, and, and then, yeah, so it's, it's normally one of those, you hear all those stories that, you know, people get cut and, and they end up having a bit of a, a good year. That was kind of me. I, I didn't make the Devils, uh, the Mariners team. I had a really... Good under 16 bottom uh, bottom age year at Launceston. I moved into play club level at Launceston Football Club, and, um, and then in my second, my last year under 16, I was fortunate enough to keep a hundred goals over 18 games. Now it was a little head short. I played in, I was playing two different competitions, but it's just based on the, the amount of games that I played. So that that was kind of one of those years where it gave me enough confidence that I could actually play top level footy. And, I moved to Victoria and played boarding. I uh, went to boarding school at Assumption College and um, had a really good year there. My first year, I was year eleven. I was under eighteen. First eighteen, sorry. Um, we had a really, really good team. We had Daniel Talia, um, Dion Prestia, Michael Talia, Fraser Dale, played for Carlton. He got drafted for Colton. Just a couple um, of decent
1: players in there.
3: <laughs> just a couple of decent players in there. So um, we we won we won the whole thing. We won the Herald Sun and the AGSV against the Pats Ballarat. So, yeah, we had a reasonable team. So that was, again, another sort of confidence booster that, you know, I could play with. And that, at that time, you know, Dion and, and Daniel were, were scouted as, you know, potential top top draftees. So um gave me confidence that I could play with good players that are around my age. And I didn't, things didn't really work out for me at assumption. I was in a bit of trouble in, in the classroom. So they didn't ask me back for Year 12, which was a bit of a bummer. Um, but um, fortunately enough, that meant I um I, I made the move up to Atruka, Echuca, and Atruka is like a bit of a second home for me. I, it's, I finished school up there at St Joseph's College. Some of my best friends are from <clears> Atruka, <throat> and I actually played uh played my first two years up there at Leichhardt Gumball just out in the country. Um the club got me up. I was living with uh, Lee Crosman, who's a, a local he's, he's up in Tiwee now, he coaches up he has he's a he's a big dog up in Tiwee for football up there now, but he was coaching uh Leachel <clears throat> Gunbar at the time. Um so I was living with him, going to school at St Joe's, playing Playing footy out at Leachy Gunny and looking back, like that was one of the, two of the two of the best years in the sense I, I really had to grow up. Like a, a new recruit to the club, but I was only sort of 17, you know, playing men men's footy. Uh, you know, I, I didn't want to take that for granted and just think, oh, you know, this club's just got up, got me up here. So I, I really worked on maturing as a footballer for those two years, and yeah, so. Fortunate enough to spend a couple of years up there, uh, and then I moved back to Tassie to play Tasmanian State League. I want to play with my older brother because we'd never played together, and I was finally at the stage where I could actually play some sort of senior league men's hoodie. So yeah, went back and played a couple of years in the state league, and I was fortunate enough to win a state league flag with Oncest. Um, I was going to say you were part top. of
1: that. You were part of that fantastic uh, team that came through in 2013 won the State League in South last year in the state competition. Uh, Mitch Thorpe obviously led, was a fantastic player. What was it like playing under Mitch Thorpe that year? Uh,
3: well, it was pretty surreal. Like, Mitch's youngest brother, Cody, is, is my best mate. We've been best mates since high school. But um, when I was in high school, Mitch was at some pats as well. And he was in, I think he was like year 12 when I was maybe year 8. So because of his reputation growing up, um, going to the top level draft picks, and half forward, you know. Country boy, like, I always looked up to Mitch. My brother was probably my idol, but behind him was was Mitch. So, for so then the fast forward time and, and to be playing under him was a, was a bit surreal to begin with. But that soon wears off when when you play with Mitch because he's uh, he's very straight down the line and uh, he's honest and that's good. As you need that. Um, but it was a. Uh, it kind of opened my mind into what football at AFL level is like, and that year itself was just like, it was a crazy thing to experience because <clears throat> you know the year before you know South had been the laughing stock of the competition for like for years, they're getting beaten by like 140 points, and you know just like no one, like everyone just like took took the piss of them really. And, my first year, we we just missed out on the finals, so we we made some improvement, and we went into that two thousand and thirteen year like you know with confidence, like you do any year. But I don't think anyone knew what what was about to, what, what was about to happen, and it was just one of those. One of those things when everything, um, I suppose, moves in one motion and everything just went right. But unfortunately, like off the field, the club was just in a, in a terrible situation, and, and us players didn't really know much at the time. But we caught a, We we kept getting told about, you know, every four four or five weeks because they they weren't paying us, and they'd say, "Oh, clubs in a in a bit of a pickle at the moment. We're, we'll we'll pay you at this date, and then we would get to that date, and they would get us in. They go, oh, look." The clubs uh, were just trying to sort through some stuff. We're, we're not going to pay it this date. We'll, we'll pay it this date. Finally got towards the end of the year, and, and uh, Thorpey's got us in and said, "Look, this is rally It's Like we're probably not going to get paid for this year." And he said, "What a what a way though. We can look at it like that, like a shit thing, or we can actually go look at this. We have got literally everyone against us. You know, we're not even getting paid to play football." And we could, you know, we could finish the season with the Premiership, and, and we just kind of from that, I, I, I'll never forget that kind of moment. It was just grind, It was just us against the world, and, and yeah, we 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 did, we we come through and won the flag, and then weirdly enough, we were booted out of the league. So it was a, a strange year to say the least, but um, it's one of the one of the footings. 40- Footy moments that, that I'll never forget, and uh, you know I'll cherish for the, for the rest of my life. Being able to play in a premiership side, which with predominantly people that I was close mates with, yeah. like that that South team was a lot of some Pat's boys that went to school together. You know, it, it was like just playing. Footy with your mates, really. So to win a flag with with that team was unforgettable. Mate, that was um that was 2013. That was that was a really really good year. And so I moved to Melbourne. Thought, i would go try my hands at VFL. Had a year Port Melbourne in the VFL, which was uh, under Garys, which was uh you know a nice little learning curve as well. Played four games, but spent most of the year in the twos. And in that Port Melbourne year, that's when I played with United as well. So that United were my home club. So um I had Liam Gein and Rab, who was playing at United at the stage. United won the flag in 2013, I think it was. And, uh, yeah, so I had a couple of mates that were playing at Utuca United that um, I thought, oh, if I'm going to play at Port Melbourne, I'll, I'll put them down as a club. So if I don't play there, at least I can shoot up the Utuca and spend the weekend up there and play some footy. So I did that and, um, yeah, we didn't have a great year, United, but um, but I was just good to have a kick up, up home and, and be able to spend the weekend on the river, you know? So,
1: when you yeah. head back to Tasmania, obviously a, a few of the guys who were part of that South Launceston team who had unfortunately been through the debacle that was the Western Storm in Tasmania. Um, yeah, guys like, yeah, guys yeah. like Jay Blackberry had obviously moved on to Launceston Football Club. Um, yeah, yeah. What was it like going back to Launceston Football Club where obviously you'd played some junior football, but also having some of those guys who had been a part of that South Launceston Premiership side there and I know that now Thorpey is obviously coaching that side as well. Coached in door premiership this year, finally overrunning the brick wall. You would have run into a few times in the Tassie State League that was North Launceston.
3: Yeah, no, nah, Lonnie was like Lonnie was the Lonnie was the years that um, look at back at the moment. You know, at this present moment, Lonnie years were what. More- Two best years of football, so um, it was unreal. it was, it was um, you know, again I played juniors at Lonnie, so I always had a connection there. Um, and um, yeah, to get back down and, and have Jay and um, uh, and then by by the end, you yeah, know, we got Dylan, Riley there, and Joby came. <clears throat> um, Joby came in and Thorpe came as well. So um, yeah, there was a, it was it was nice, a bit of familiarity, you know, and we, and we played so much hoodie together up at South, and, and we would reached the top. So we knew what it took, and, and Lonnie had a, like so like a young developing club, and I understand Lonnie and like. He was just he just coaching the right way for that group just trying, trying to try and kind of get us to where we needed to get to. And then and Thorpe's obviously taken over and done the rest. But yeah, those one of yous were awesome. Like I was, you know, 24, 25, really kind of come out of my shell. And really, I think when I was up, up at South, you know, when I was, when we won the flag, I had some good games, had some really good games, but I would have kind of faded in and out of games. I was still very young. I was only 19, uh, 18, 19, 20. And um, so, yeah, 24, 25, I, I really sort of had a consistent year, made, you know, t- Team of the year had the forward line with Sonny, Sonny and myself, uh, Sonny Whiting, who's you know, leading goal kicker at Launceston Football
1: Club. I was covering um, State League for TSL at the time, and watching you and Sonny play together was incredibly good fun. It, that was a fantastic yeah. lineup that Launceston had through that time.
0: Yeah,
3: and it was awesome to play with Sonny. I've known Sonny you know, many moons, he's good friends with my older brother. So so to be wearing a blues jumper and, and have Sonny standing there with me, and, and he might have been sort of the the one-two combo for Lonnie at the time was pretty surreal, but again, that's just like What he goes, and you know, we we probably didn't reach the uh, the height which we we should have when I was there. We we had a team to probably get, get to the get to the JF release, and we we missed out both times. Um, but <clears throat> it was just a good experience, North and obviously with a the, the team at the time. But <clears throat> um, you know, I was always quick quick to remind them that. They probably wouldn't have been in their position if it wasn't for Shaft getting booted out of the league. So I'd always quickly remind them that when I was playing them. But uh, no, credit to Northside. They've been a good team for that long. But yeah, it's led me to being at Glenelg. So I've been at Glenelg the last two years, which has been, been unreal.
1: Obviously, as you mentioned, you moved over to South Australia playing at Glenelg. This year was a very tough year for you, obviously, because the off-field stuff started to have an impact. And whilst coronavirus was going to hold the sample back a little bit, obviously you had some... Some pretty serious health issues that you run into.
3: It was, uh, I don't know how to explain it, but, you know, last year, my first year, I started really, really well. I had a really good pre-season. Started the season off well, played some good footy, but um, in round two, I, I fractured four vertebrae off my spine and, um, yeah, it meant, it meant that I missed about, uh, Eleven weeks, nearly twelve weeks. So on that stage, um, it was coming into the back half the season, and I'm sure if it's listening, it doesn't know. You know, we we were fortunate enough to win the the sample, um the grand final last year, and by that stage, when you when you're going as well as what we are, the, the side's pretty much pretty much well picked. So you know, I, was, I, I snuck back into the side late in the year, played the game, but couldn't hold my spot, and was um yeah, was obviously pushed out, which was. Which was, uh, you know, it was always going to happen unless you know I was kicking, you know, four or five goals a game, which didn't happen. So, you know, I come back sort of pre-season, really sort of determined to, to, you know, hold a spot and start the season there and not get injured. And, and yeah, I was uh, given the news in February that he was diagnosed with, um, with testicular cancer, T2 testicular cancer uh, embryonal, which is
0: uh, an aggressive,
3: an aggressive form of cancer. Um, so mine had actually spread from tumour itself and travelled through blood vessels uh from, from the chest to outside, uh, through my lymphatic system, the lymph nodes near my aorta, three three lymph nodes, about ten millimeters thick, I suppose they were. So yeah, that that kinda put a put a pause to my footy at, at the time. I I didn't think I'd play. I was kinda before COVID, so I said myself, so i probably have the year off and get right. Um and then literally like within a week COVID hit. Um, I was in Zimbo. I was, I just, uh, I just finished surgery and I was waiting to start treatment and, uh, and yeah, COVID hit and, and, and we all know what, what it was like that those first you know, three or four weeks of COVID, everything was in a panic. We didn't really know what it was, didn't know what it meant. Um, but yeah, they shut the borders couldn't get home to Tassie and, and, and none of the family could come over either. So, um, meant that I just had to, um, you know, go through treatment over here pretty much solo. I had my housemate, which helped me out a fair bit, but had no family, even with the footy club, like, cause, because of COVID, the, the footy club paused, so a lot of the interstate boys went home. A lot of the boys that were here weren't allowed to leave the house, so... Yeah, it was just it was a really strange time, but, um, fortunate enough to get through it. Um, and, and when I finished treatment was kind of just when Sample had just started going back to training. So, um, yeah, I just, I, I just thought my mind, I might try and, might try and get a game in if I can. So I just started walking some laps. It started with walking a lap and that was, that took it out of me. Like I, it, it, walking a one whole lap of footy, footy ground would, would exhaust me. I, I wouldn't be able to do much after that. So I started walking a lap and then. I just walk a couple more and it just grew from that. Then I start jogging a couple laps. And yeah, it took me about seven or eight weeks to, to get into uh close to match fitness as what I could. And my first game was a bit of a, bit of a funny one. I, I was, I was at the time I was runner. I was being runner for, uh, for the twos. And, um and I was meant to play, I was scheduled to play in, in about two weeks and we we're playing out at Central Districts, which if anyone doesn't know, Central Districts is, I think it's the biggest ground in Australia. It's just it's absolutely huge. And, uh, the footy manager came up to me about 25 minutes before the game. and he tapped me on the shoulder and said, "Oh, mate, one of the boys is waiting on a COVID test. He's in a car park. <laughs> he hasn't got his results back. If he doesn't get them back in time, you might have to chuck the boots on." <laughs> and I said, "Oh, uh, yeah. right. I'm not going to, not going to say no. Just let me know." And then,
1: an interesting yeah, way to get back into the game.
3: <laughs> Absolutely. And then, just before. Uh, they have to fill the team sheet out to, to hand in. They uh he comes over and just chucks me a pair of socks and shorts and that was it. And then yeah, so I played uh <clears throat> played three quarters. Played three quarters that day and uh, yeah, I blew up. That's just uh, blew up totally.
1: Obviously it would have been physically intense getting back into football but after everything you've been through for the last two years it must have just been such a relief to just be able to get back out on the ground.
3: Oh of course yeah you know it's just like a bit of a sanctuary out there you know you just enjoy the time while you're out there and, and um, unfortunately some, sometimes my my um, competitiveness, competitiveness pardon me, comes out and um, and sometimes I don't don't just pause it to smell the roses because I just want to win or, you know, it might just be a situation, but in a situation where I'm just so focused on, on what's going on in the game. But, um, but this time around, I tried to just enjoy every moment, <clears throat> enjoy the players I was out there with. And uh, I was fortunate enough that my teammates, Glenell were just, you know, they were just like some of the best that you ever have. And um, they just made it, they made it so so much more enjoyable to the fact that I'm going to go around again and, and have another kick there. And I had some, uh, if anyone, you know, anyone's listening, it's obviously know, Chuka Local, you know, good, pretty close with, with Andrew Walker with walks and he's trying to get me back up to have a kick up there and, um, I was pretty close. I won't lie, I was pretty close to, to saying yes, but, um, but, uh, i am I'll go around again down here one more time and who knows, I might, might come up for a kick up in beautiful Murray River, uh, sooner rather than later. But, you know, Red, Ben Red's just flying back there. And, um, they've got a good young group of Chuka and walks are stick and they're out for another year or two. So, you know, he might get might get up for a kick, hopefully, before I decide to hang the boots up.
1: Mate, what is your yeah. biggest takeaway from football so far in your life, be it on-field or off-field? What's the big thing that you take away from your football career?
3: Probably the people. That, you know, it's, it's a pretty generic answer. I've got a couple of things, but one of them is the people that you meet. You know, like, before I won a flag or a state league flag, you know, it's always... It's always your drive. Like you're always kind of um, you're shooting for that. That's just what you want to achieve as a footballer. But after achieving it, as as, as amazing as it is, and it and binds that, that group together, it's still the relationships that you meet with people, just even with, you know, you play with day-to-day. You, you might not have won a flag. With, like, you know, in 20 years' time, you know, a, a fellow you play football with might own a pub and you might be just going through their town and you might stop and have a beer or, you know, whatever it might be, you know, I might have something down in Tassie, and people are coming down to visit that I play footy with, and stop in, and it's just the people that you meet. And I think if uh, you invest into your teammates while you're playing, it pays dividends um, just in life. Uh-uh. But in saying that, football teaches you <clears throat> more about, you know, life uh, than life probably teaches you about football. So, um, and a lot of the things that you you do it top-level state, state state league football, um, hold you in good stead for life. You know, like we're, we're have such a hard training regime, we've got to be here at this time. You learn a lot of discipline, a lot of self-discipline. Um, there's people from all different walks of life, so you learn to be very understanding of other people's stories and backgrounds. And um, Yeah, it just it teaches you a lot about, teaches some good life lessons in football. I, I would encourage... Any, you know, any person with kids en- enrol them in football because it's, it's more than just the game. It's, you, you learn so much more <clears throat> than just, just kicking a kicking a, a red leather uh, sharing around for two hours.
1: Relicately Mansell, thank you very much for taking Thanks. the time out of your day to join us on Sports Bike this week, mate. Thanks, brother. Peace. It's pretty fantastic to see a guy who can come through something like that, Braden, and Return to the league later in the season. He didn't. Mi- he didn't miss an entire season like we would expect for somebody who's gone through something that intense.
2: Oh, especially this year, with so much that's happening, and he was probably in that more vulnerable group, I imagine, of people that could have been ill. And if he catches this, but fantastic and well done to him.
1: And as he mentioned in there, a nice little hint that maybe a couple of games in bottle green are on the agenda in the next couple of seasons and I can tell you having watched a lot of roller play having him in a forward line at Echuca would be a big deal for that football club but Braden, we're now going to head to our favourite segment of the week as we go around the grounds
2: Sports Fight around the grounds
1: joining us on the line the man the myth the ma Tyler Ma the group editor of sport for McPherson Media Group how are we going Tyler I'm going very well after that introduction. Thank you very much. Mate, big news for Shepparton this week. The National Junior Road Cycling Championships are heading to town.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a big uh, sort of year almost of of cycling in Shepparton again. Obviously, we're pretty proud of our cycling exports and and our ability to bring cycling uh, to town. And uh, next year, we've got the, the National Junior Road cycling championships uh, that'll be in september but um so that'll bring the best juniors in the country to town which is great but we've also got the uh, the christmas track uh carnival back in shepparton this year which is great so we'll be hosting two days of that on boxing day and december 29. so basically that means uh, across two days we'll host seven feature races which is which is great to see
1: those racing carnivals, they're obviously something that brings out a fair bit of fan support. They're a, a big tradition, particularly up in country towns. So it must be exciting for Shepparton to have that carnival coming back. But also, the the Junior Roads, as you mentioned, we're going to see some of the best cyclists across the country coming down and taking part in that event.
0: Yeah, we obviously had the um, Herald Sun Jayco Tour um, at the start of this year, uh, and that was great. We had the men's and the women's um, come through for a a day which was, um, you know, really exciting to, to sort of get around and, and see a bit of a buzz, um, you know, around cycling and, and through the streets. And, yeah, the uh, the Juniors is uh, obviously another one similar to that, which will bring a lot of families and uh, hopefully a lot of, uh, you know, economic boost to, to the region.
2: I think the Christmas time one probably couldn't have come better considering the way Victoria's case numbers are looking. Hopefully you can get a bit of a decent crowd down there and just really boost the economy over in Shep.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing that the Christmas track carnival uh, has been pretty much part of the fabric of the Shepparton Cycling Club for so many years, and uh, for it to not be held um, you know, recently, it hasn't been great. So it's great to be able to have it back and have lots of entries and hopefully uh, have a bit of a crowd there as well.
2: Mate, we'll just switch it up a bit to some footy, and the Rushworth Football Club's obviously been in the news over the past couple of days.
0: Yeah, certainly. Um, Rushworth, like a lot of clubs, has... Uh, is- was looking for um, hands to go up to go on the committee. And, and after their first AGM, they weren't able to form the committee. So um, they had a second meeting uh, Wednesday night and, and really sort of implored the community and, and members and past players and uh, anyone really to, to come down and, um, and put their hand up to be involved in a role. And uh, fortunately, they were able to form the committee. Which is great. And Ian Harris is going to be taking over uh, as president, um, as well as a few others uh, jumping
1: on the board. We talked about this during the bowl season when there was the merger for Pennant uh, um, Bowls, but no one wants to see clubs fold. And unfortunately, that's a, possibly a reality going into next year due to the COVID pandemic. But it's great to see a club like Rushworth. And Braden and I put our hands up and put, we play as, for a rival club in Gigary It's great for us as KD footballers to say, well, one of these clubs that is a fabric of this competition does get to play in. Rushworth have a pretty strong history, not just in the KD, but they've played in a number of other leagues and won a number of other premierships. So getting to see the club stay around instead of going into recess, that's obviously great news just for football in general.
0: Yeah, certainly. I, I think there was um, you know, quite confidence that a committee would be able to be formed, but uh, I think they certainly uh, put the word out to, to make sure everyone knew that it was a serious um You know, it was a serious situation if they couldn't form a a committee at the second meeting. So uh, it's great that uh, everyone was able to get there and uh, and put their hands up. And uh, look, you know, coming out of COVID, uh, volunteers uh, and, you know, sponsors and and everything really might be a bit sparse on the ground. So, um, you know, it's it's not, not great to see a club struggle. Form a committee at the first go, but obviously the support was there afterwards, and, and that's great to see.
2: Yeah, well, mate. Obviously, there's been some big harness racing going on around the traps in Shepparton. I believe you've had a couple of winners, but there's also some bigger events on the horizon.
0: Yeah, there's always plenty of winners, uh, as you can uh, see in Underwood's bulky shorts every week. He he certainly never struggles to find anyone to talk about. But the uh, the Breeders' Crown um, sort of series comes to its climax this weekend in Malton, and. There's a really, really strong contingent of local trainers and, and drivers and, and locals involved in harness racing in general. So it's going to be a really great weekend for harness racing and hopefully one of the region's uh, trainers can, can bring back a crown to the Golden Valley.
2: Well, mate, is there anyone of note we should be looking out for in that race?
0: Oh, certainly there's plenty of um, familiar faces. David Aiken from um, avenel has got uh, plenty of horses in. Tima Frenning from Arcadia, David Moran, of course, from Kyola, uh, Juanita Breen, also from uh, Look, There's plenty involved, and there's going to be a big spread in Friday's Shepparton News. So by the time this hits our listeners' ears, they should be able to uh, pick up the Shepparton News and, and read all about it.
1: Tyler Marr from the Shepparton News there, joining us on SportsBite. Thank you very much for your time, Tyler. Cheers, boys. Tyler Marr joining us there on the line. Braden, what's been happening in the world of Rochester?
2: What a lot of cricket. Mainly uh, Cricket's the main one to come out of Rochester at the moment. The boys are off to a pretty good start after, obviously, a disappointing end to last season where they fell away in the grand final against a very good Kyber and Fire Brigade side. But if you go a little further up the road to Elmore where... One of their star netballers, she's not originally from Elmore. She was recruited in through the coach last season. Ruby Barkmire is actually signed for the Melbourne Vixens ahead of the next season's Super Netball competition, which is terrific, and she's got some big shoes to fill after a couple of big retirements out of that goal circle.
1: Absolutely, she does.
2: That's about all the time we
1: have this week on Sports Bite, Braden? What's the week look like for you?
2: Well, catching up with some more family and friends. It's all starting to open up, and it's been a tough year for a lot of people. I think it, we're all just enjoying that little bit of freedom. And I think fingers crossed for some big announcements for Mr. Andrews on Sunday.
1: 12.01 Monday morning. The New South Wales border restrictions are over, which, especially here in Achukamoama, we are absolutely celebrating. Thank you for joining us this week on Sports Bite. We'll see you soon.
0: That was Shepparton Sports Bite, brought to you by McPherson Media Group.